morning, Sarah Heppler. If you say so, Nancy Rommelman. Oh, come on. You're the one that's been up since the crack of death, right? It was the crack of death. That's a funny <laughs> saying. But you're um, the one that looks so pretty. You look all you look all spiffy. Well, I'm faking it because um, I was out pretty late last night, so I had to, Uh-oh. you know, get up in the morning. And you're just like, okay, how do I fake it? All right, I'll take a bath. I'll put on a pink dress, and no one will know the difference. No one will be the wiser. So uh, we'll get to that me. in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I think uh, first of all, good morning, everybody. We're glad to have you here at Smoke 'Em If You Got 'Em. Um, Sarah, who is the person who listens to these episodes and combs through for all the little. Um, all the little mistakes we make has a few corrections, I believe. We made that. a few corre- We made a few mistakes. Shocking mistakes. I've made a few. That's the name of this segment. <laughs> um, and then there's just some like clarifications and things like that. You know, the first thing we talked about the the the, the saga of Michael Irvin, the former cowboy who's been embroiled in a in a scandal over here in Dallas that has weirdly not made the national news. I mean, it has, but like ESPN hasn't covered it and weird things like that. By the way, I talked to Ethan. I think Ethan's going to Ethan Strauss might come on the pod to talk about that. One of my favorite things about Ethan and one of the things that makes me so jealous, even though I don't get jealous, is that he speaks in complete sentences. Anyway, he's great, and and I, I I would maybe like to jump on that with you guys if if there's room for for a third wheel, if not, or a fifth wheel, whatever that is. Um, but we'll see. All right, we'll see. I mean, I don't even know if he's going to do it yet. You know, it's the final four is going on right now. Yep, I yep. think. I watched a uh, part of a game the other day. The I put this on Twitter, but like I was listening to the sports radio show here, the ticket, and they said the Cougars face Miami, and I was like. I saw this image of like hot middle-aged women flocking <laughs> to Florida. The milfs, milf the matter. Milfs. They just take the take the court. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Oh, oh, we're gonna have a milf manor update because hot stuff is going down. But you're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait for that. Let's get to the corrections. One yeah. of the things that I said erroneously was that Michael Irvin is a wide. I said that he was a running back. You know why? Because I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot that doesn't follow sports. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even know the difference between a running back and a wide receiver. But I'll bet receivers catch, catch things. Ball. Yeah, they catch. And I'll the bet ball. running backs carry them. Yeah, it's funny. They kind of are named appropriately, right? Yeah, yeah. it it is. But to me, in my little head, in my little arts nerd head, it's like all of this is just like wah 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 wah. If it's not a quarterback, I don't know. But it, Michael but you Irvin, know Michael Irvin is a wide receiver. He's always been a wide receiver, despite anything I claim to the contrary. Okay. I mean, Next. now that I said that, I'm like, well, he probably played some other position, and now I'm going to have to issue another correction. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Well, so that's one of them. Uh. The other thing is that I – there's just going to be a lot of sports stuff. This is why it's so problematic for me to just talk about sports instead of being able to, like, <clears throat> fact check myself when I write about them. Uh, I referred to somebody as Michael Scott when I meant Michael Sam. He was the openly gay football player that Dale Hansen had done a screed about. I think I was thinking of our friend Michael Scott Moore. Or Michael Scott from The Office. 
I think I was thinking of Michael Scott from The Office. Yeah, yeah. They're, he's easily confused, I'm, I'm sure, with a gay football player. I was talking about the legendary sports broadcaster, Dale Hansen, who I adore. <clears throat> I erroneously said that he owes me a favor. <laughs> I don't know where this came from. It, it's so opposite. If, if anything, I owe Dale Hansen a favor. And if he heard that, which he's not going to because he's probably out playing golf or hanging out with his donkey, Edward R. Burrow, which is oh, true. No. Oh, oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Edward wow. R. Burrow. He he it. lives in Waxahachie, which is sort of out in the country, and um, he has like a farm, and it's wild. I mean, I did this five hour interview with him, and he had all his animals in a in a room locked away, and then at like three hours in, the parakeet starts starts talking, and he just looks at me, and he's like, "I can't do anything about the parakeet." It's <laughs> like, okay, okay, what can you do? Um, anyway, I owe Dale Hansen a favor, and. This was an egregious mistake on my part. I mean, just the flagrant, like, oh, he owes me a favor. Like, what are you talking about? But it's, it's nice. You get that out there in uh, in public. And then what's he going to do? Right. I'm, I feel like I'm going to beef with Dale Hansen now. And let me tell you something. Yeah. I don't want to take this guy on because he's about six foot hundred. And he's like a big bear of a man. He's got the biggest booming voice I've ever heard in my entire life. When I put the microphone in front of him, like, it like blew out the levels in my ears. <laughs> I was like, oh, he doesn't actually need a microphone. And, you know, just sometimes I get off. I I don't know. Sometimes I'm just not in the right frame of mind. There was was some interest in what Shakespeare play my brother got cast in. And because my brother really loves nothing more than to get attention, especially on my podcast, where he could take away some sunshine from me. Oh, Sarah. No, this is, I mean, look, this is sibling rivalry. This is Shakespearean shit over here in the Hapala family. It's been going on for 48 years. It's not going to stop now. I want to let people know that the show is Two Gentlemen of Verona. It runs June 13th to July 14th. He's playing the minor roles of Antonio, one of the dads, and Eglamore, a criminal in the forest. I think that's typecasting. Um... I pointed out to him that uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona is not a very commonly performed Shakespeare play. And I have always suspected there was a reason for that. Oh. He countered that there might be. And <laughs> another correction from my brother who will never miss an opportunity to correct me. This happened at his birthday dinner, so I can hardly fault him for this. He wants to point out that he, I had said he had not ever done Shakespeare in the park. He wants to point out that he was in Julius Caesar with Shakespeare Dallas in 2009. And that was during my years in New York. So he forgives me. Uh, He invites everyone to Dallas to experience the swelter of June through July on a lawn outside to watch a Shakespeare show. I have a question. Is it humid in Dallas? Or not? Yeah, it's a little bit humid, but it's not like New Orleans or Houston okay. humid. Yeah, Houston is like famous for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just so hot. Yeah. It's just like so hot. And, well, you know, I was talking to him about it. Like, I, I think I'm going to go, but it's like, he's like, I know it sucks because you don't even drink. Like most people take a bottle of wine or beer. You know, I'm just going to be sitting there like, I can't hear. I'm tired. Come on, I'm you gonna know go. What? It's gonna be I'm gonna be peppy and it's gonna be great. 
I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there when that happens. We're going to be we're going to be performing in Dallas at the it, the University of Austin. Is that what it is? University of Austin, uh, which is festival, obviously in Dallas, right? Festival of Ideas. I'm going to be there, so we will definitely go see Josh, and I'm going to be super peppy. And we can go and buy those little uh, those little fans that look like little whirly birds that old ladies use. You buy them at like, oh, the, yeah. drug, the drugstore for like a dollar, and we'll be totally fine. It's all going to be good. So. We'll be we'll be two ladies of Verona. Two ladies of Verona. Um, um, I have one more thing. It's there was a lot of um, interesting controversy over Matt Taibbi, the figure of Matt Taibbi, in our comments. You know, in our last episode, where we read a letter from one of our listeners that sort of pushed back on the idea that Taibbi was doing something heroic, sort of cast him as possibly um, a pawn of the Republican Party. You know, there were a lot of hot sports opinions about about whether or not that was the case, mostly defending Taibbi. Uh, but there was a comment that I I thought was worth reading because I thought it was really interesting. And I apologize, I don't have who wrote it. But I just, you know, again, I, I think our comment sections are worth mentioning because they're so good. We, we Our listeners yeah. are really smart. And they're discussing amongst each other, which is so cool. So it'll be like this kind of long thread. So that's an... Yeah, if you're we're not, not even... Nece- we're not necessary. No. No, we're not. I mean, occasionally I'll, I'll I'll say something if it's about, hi, I tried to bake those cookies and then they didn't work. Um, but yeah, we just let them talk. So that's if, if you become a paid subscriber, that's a little, little bonus. You get to uh, wait in there. So anyway. You know, we were okay. talking about whether or not, um, you know, that, that people that do these things are sometimes very difficult. Um, right. I think I used the phrase dick bros of journalism, which seems a little harsh by half. A little, little bit. A little bit. I was, I mean, I'm, I was out of control that day. I, I said this thing about Dan Hansen. I, I, you know, I, I, I blame Galveston. Anyway, um, this is a comment. Serious journalists and serious whistleblowers are necessarily assholes. As you discussed toward the end of the clip, popular people are satisfied with the world and don't feel the need to bitch about bad stuff. My problem with Taibi is that he doesn't seem to understand the history of journalism. P.S. That's, that's some, these are some fighting words because Taibi like, prides himself on talking about the history of journalism. We continue. He thinks previous generations were more open and free because there was less censorship. Not true. Newspapers were always maximally biased and formerly labeled their brands openly and clearly. The reader knew what he was buying. Broadcasting was more fair because FCC censorship forced it to be fair. The fairness doctrine worked. Now, this is this comment is a little bit over my head. Uh, and so, you know, people may have some thoughts on this. And and I also think like I'm not entirely convinced this is an accurate depiction of of how how Taibi has written about the history of journalism. But then again, you know, I'm late to that. He he wrote a book called Hate Inc., which is about the rise of cable news. I've read some of his pieces on the racket that I thought did a great job of talking about how in particular television news um really brought people together in the mid-century. His father was in television broadcasting. I, mean, I think he's uniquely good about that. I sent that to my whole family. They don't know who the hell Matt Taibbi is, and they were like, this is really good. Um, but, you know, but there might be something here. And, and I thought it was a really interesting perspective. It is an interesting perspective, and I'm not going to scoop myself right now, but my hot box is actually going to address something exactly 
to what um, the reader was bringing up. So I'm going to save that to the Whoa. end. The hot boxes at the end. Yeah, no, and, and coincidentally. So, yeah. Um, That's pretty cool. And yeah. we have one note from Natalie. And, and it's going to concern something that I think is really important to everyone. J.K. Rowling, Rowling, ro- Ruling, Rowling, Rosaling, Rolong, Rolong. Sounds like, a, boop. A, a, boop. Sounds like a, a prescription. Rosaling. 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 <laughs> Might cause heartburn. Um, <laughs> she gives us a great mnemonic here. Rolling rhymes with bowling. Done. There we go. Okay. J.K. Rowling rhymes with bowling. Beautiful. Okay. Um, Before we jump into the meat of what we're going to talk about, I just wanted to mention a place. One of the reasons I'm a little sleepy this morning is because I started the evening fairly early um, at 6 p.m. at an event, part of the... um, so the Comedy Cellar, a lot of people know it's in New York. We we go see comedians there, but also at 9 o'clock on Mondays, we go see the great house band there, which includes um, Coleman Hughes. Isn't but, that the place that's in the opening credits of the Louis show? Probably. I'm pretty sure it I is. Where I, he, I think he enters yeah. that, you know, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he does. So around the corner, it's called the Village Something at the Comedy Cellar. And it's a little more of a, it looks like it just could be a, a exactly like the a comedy stage, but it's, they, ha- they have different events there. And last night they had something, uh, an Intelligence Squared debate. These are really good debates. We will put a link and I will remember to put the link. Thank you for teasing me in the show notes. I appreciate that, Sarah Hepla. Um, uh <laughs> They have really good debates on interesting topics. I've seen a few of I've never seen one in person before, but I've seen them online. I've watched them and I'm on their invite list. So last what night- What is Intelligence Squared? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Intelligence Squared is an organization. It's a. It's just the name of their organization that runs this. Is it like Freethink? Uh, well, if anybody knew what Freethink actually was, maybe I'd be able to answer that question, but I can't, obviously. Uh, and you can't ask Camille. So anyway, no, I'm teasing. I love Camille. In, and speaking of Camille, so last night's debate was, the question was, is America too obsessed with race? Yes. End of debate. Well, okay. So that's interesting. So it was really packed last night. A lot of people that we knew. Kathy Young was there. I went with Jesse uh, Single and Matt Welch. Michael Moynihan was there. I mean, a lot of people that we knew. It was being moderated by Nick Gillespie from Reason Magazine and a good friend. Formerly of, of Teen Beat. Formerly of Teen Beat. Not Tiger Beat? Teen Beat? Okay, maybe he's formerly of Tiger Beat. I don't Tiger know. Beat. Tiger Beat's such an awesome name. Tiger Beat was awesome. Like, hey, hey, name. hey. Can we start a girl band called Tiger Beat? Sure. The Tiger Beats. Sure. And what we also, okay, I, I'm, I'm interrupting myself for a second. Okay. Sarah Heppel and I, of course, text each other and DM each other all day long. And she tagged me or forwarded me something <gasps> that was on Twitter. Was it Twitter or Instagram? Twitter. I think it was Twitter. Twitter. Somebody bought a Charlie's Angel. This is the original Charlie's Angels board game. And now they're losing their mind. And Sarah's like, Nancy, Nancy, Christmas is coming. So I... It's been a very busy morning. I have not had a chance to go on eBay. I will be going on eBay immediately after we tape and looking for it. But if I don't find it, if one of our listeners like has one they don't want anymore, uh, man, I would kill for that game because I'm Kelly Who are forever. you? Who are you? Kelly. Kelly. Of Kelly. There's only, for me, only and ever Kelly. Well, that Kelly. is really good. It's so fortunate because you know who I am, right? Farah, right? Yeah, of course. 
Okay. So see, this works perfectly. There's no fighting. No, Kelly Garrett is my first, last, and forever fashion icon. Like anything she wears. so hot. I want. Like, you know, the little halters, this little bikinis with the little – I mean, no. She's – I still – I look at dresses. I'm like, it's a total Kelly Garrett dress. Big. Definitely. I feel that way about Anne Margaret a little bit. That's kind of one of my fashion icons. Yeah, I do. And um, like like the the working woman's Anne Margaret. (laughs) So it's sort of like Anne Margaret and nine to five mixed together. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like uh your your blue collar Anne Margaret. But um I do bear a kind of uncanny resemblance to her. And you do. And so I always look and see what she's doing. And then I'm like, I got to do that. And um, and she's also become really foxy as an older woman. Like she's really aged. My dad really well. liked her. My dad always thought she was super hot, super cute. Okay, back to Intelligence Squared. So it was Nick Gillespie was, you know, he was the moderator. And it was Camille on the yes side. And on the no side was someone I had not heard of. Her name was Nisu. Ufat. She's the CEO of something called the New Georgia Project, which registers and engages the rising electorate in Georgia. Let me tell you, um, I'll put a picture. I'm, I'm writing all this down. Um, she was dressed so hot. She had on these like tuxedo pants with this cool bright stripe and a big hat and this puffy sleeve thing. She looked great. She was That's lovely. So, cool. so she was against. Now, at the beginning of these debates, what they do every time, they kind of measure audience reaction, right? So the first is like, who thinks oh. America's too obsessed with race? And then like, this is you like applaud. the monk debates. This is like the monk yes. debates. Yes, but it's yeah. it's something else, right? So, you know, for the yes, it was definitely an audience that felt that it was too obsessed with race. And I'm literally sitting at a tiny little table with Matt and Jesse, and it's yes. And of course they're applauding, and I'm not applauding. And then it's no. And I'm not applauding. And then there was undecided and I applauded and I leaned over to Matt and I said, the reason I'm undecided on this is because they asked, is America too obsessed with race? They didn't say the people in this room. They didn't say is the media. They didn't say that they asked is America. And I do not necessarily believe that America is obsessed with race. Now, yes, there's the argument. Yes, but Nancy, the media and the universities, and it sifts down. It's the message we get. Yes, 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 all of that. But then we're still inside our reverberating tin can of information, right? I do not think that your average American is is racist at all. And I don't, not racist, sorry, I didn't mean to say that, or is obsessed with race. I do not think so. I do not yeah. think that that's what they get up in the morning and I, think about. No, I, th- I think you're making a great point and a really interesting distinction, and I'll bet one that most people in that room did not make. In, well, in other because- words, I mean, the, the, the question also is, what do we mean when we say America? Because, you know, do we mean the right. the, the the arms of media and academia and, you know, and Hollywood? And the coastal elites and the Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah. Well, when I did lean over to Matt and say that, he's like, I could see his like, I was like, oh, okay, you know, good point. I will say by the end of it, um, I did wind up clapping for the yes, because if we were talking about that debate that night, I felt Camille's points were more on point. Um, But it was interesting. Uh, And the nice thing about this is, you know, everybody's always saying, like, I really want to be in rooms where there are civil debate. I really want to read publications. And guess what, guys? It's out there. It exists, you know, and it's it's such a nice, it's ameliorating, it's calming, it's fun. We had some drinks. It was just, yeah, then we went upstairs and watched the house band and had some drinks, and that's why I'm tired this morning. Do you want to tell people who Camille Foster is for people that might think he sounds like a, like a, a, a 60s female model? 
Yeah. Well, you know, he kind of is. No, he Camille Foster <laughs> is um how do I explain Camille? He does work with Freethink. He's involved in a lot of so funny. He goes to a lot of different conferences and speaks. He is part of the fifth column. Which he is the is, architectural podcast that we've talked right. about. Before. I actually we actually talked about that, Jesse and Matt and I last night. I, I brought that up and they're like, yes, Doric columns, ionic columns. Um yeah. so he Camille is black, but he doesn't he doesn't identify as like why? What's the point? Race is a construct and I'm not interested in this. It's it's not it's and I and I actually agree with him. Um, and he is kind of, I would say, one of the, he's one of the voices that people want in the room, black, white, or whatever, when you're talking about these issues. And he's, you know, he's got a pretty big platform. He used to have a show on um, Fox, I think it was Fox Business with uh, with Matt uh, Welch. Oh, he's and, Fox adjacent. And Kennedy. Um, they had a show for, uh, I think, a year and a half called The Independence, very highly rated show that they're not there anymore. Obviously, Kennedy is still on four nights a week. Um, so, yeah, and and Camille has a key to my apartment. So there we go. That, that's who Camille is. That would so, make one of us. Well, there's only nine. I, look, I had nine sets of keys and I gave them all away. But, you know, you're working on me. I'm, I'm, you're, you're growing on me, Sarah. So. But also, tough. Sarah, I just feel Sarah, like there's been a lot <laughs> of tough like, you're not going to tell me where you're going to disappear to. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Sarah, you you're also not You me. haven't given me a key to your apartment. <sighs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> no. But I if just you don't were even in, know what I'm in this for. Here, let me tell you something. If you, like, lived in Long Island or you were living in D.C. and you were in New York a lot, like Camille, and he comes and tapes here with the guys, of course you'd have a key. But it's not like you need a place to occasionally plop once a week in New York. You can have a key to my apartment when you come here. That's fine. That's all I wanted no, to hear. No problem. You got it. Okay. So, um, Madame, there were a couple things we wanted to talk about today. And one of them, if I'm, if I'm getting my order correct, was uh, something called Anatomy of a Hoax, which is on Fox. They have all these different Fox arms, the Fox network, the Fox whatever. But if you go over there, you've got to pay for it. And I discovered you can just go over to YouTube and see all the episodes. Of but the I show. could only find one. Nope. They're all up on YouTube. All of them. So before we get ahead wrong. of ourselves. I'm telling you that, that YouTube might be suppressing this information. Well, they suppressed it for you. Uh, I don't know well, maybe so, me. because I'm a suppressive. I, I think I really am like, I've been identified by these platforms as a suppressive personality. What like is that? in, you know, in Scientology, yeah. there are people that are suppressive persons. What is that? But I don't know what it means. You're suppressed, like you're not letting your feelings out. It means that you're basically like a dissident, like you're, you're, you're somebody that's introducing information that is disruptive to people's faith in the religion. Okay. Well, good. You should. That, that's a good thing to be. I, I can't be hypnotized. I, I don't know. Oh, that's an, I can't. I've been hypnotized. It was cool. I, I can't. It's just I, I've had people try and I'm like, I don't what what is happening here? Like, am I supposed to? And then I had a friend in college. He was a really like star athlete. And there was a guy who was going around hypnotizing people like, oh, I can make you like better or whatever it is you do. So he said he did it. And I was like, oh, cool. Did you like it? And, da, da, da. and he's, I was like, so what was it like? He's like, oh, I didn't really. I kind of pretended that I that he had done it. 
Like he pretended that he was getting hypnotized. I'm sure that happens all the time, but I went to a hypnotist once and it was really cool. And it basically was like a walk, like a talking, a deep meditative state. Um, It's not like he told me to like balk like a chicken or something like that. (laughs) He was walking me through all these sort of scenarios and he would say things like, you open a door, what's in your hand? And I'd be like, it's a key. And he'd be like, what does the key do? And I was like, it opens the door. Like, I didn't even, I didn't, but I didn't think I was, like, I wasn't intentionally thinking that. I was just describing. It was wild. It was very, very interesting. I would do that, hypnosis again. That scenario you just put, it sounded like when my daughter, my daughter got her first little, like, uh, iMac. It was like the colorful computers. And oh, I remember a, those little candy right, colored iMacs. so cute. And and she had a game called Goosebumps. And it was like a little kitty early video game kind of I mean it was so sweet and it was like open your hand there's a key the key opens the door so and she loved it and we would play it it was very cute um in any case this anatomy of a hoax is about Jesse Smollett and what happened I believe it was January 27th 2019 when Jesse Smollett 29th who was 20 29th okay sorry um when he claimed um that he was going out to buy a Subway sandwich, I think it's something like 2.20 in the morning. And when he was I mean, you got to get a Subway sandwich one of those times. Those They're sandwich artists. <laughs> well, we should also just add this was in Chicago during something called a polar vortex. Now, I'd never heard of a polar vortex, but it apparently the weather was in the minus 20s. It was extremely cold. So the... Idea, first of all, just you know, there were a <coughs> lot of red. The subway thing. Did Did you know that Subway was open twenty four hours a day? No, first of all, I think I haven't eaten. I I think I've eaten two Subway sandwiches in the past twenty years. Okay, so well, no, there goes I, that I endorsement. That. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was working them. I've been working them for weeks. <laughs> You know what? If we got endorsement, man, I would talk about all day long is ASOS. ASOS. Do you know that site? Oh, yeah. girl. Oh, man. So I don't, I don't go. Is it like ACAB? Really, yeah, I'm going to shout it in the streets. A S <laughs> O S. No, ASOS is. <laughs> ASOS is a clothing, is a clothing uh, place where you buy clothes. It, I'm the dress I'm wearing. I believe I got on ASOS. You can go on there and you can click like dresses. I know my size and everything fits and they send it quickly and it's cheap and they're cute. And if you don't like it, you just stick it back in the bag and throw it back to them and they give you They've got a great website. I absolutely love their stuff. So ASOS, anybody at ASOS, if you're listening, you know, definitely become a supporter of Smoke Em if you got them because I am wearing one of your dresses right now. Um, and I just ordered another one too. ASOS, if you are listening, I would like to give you a note, which is that I think you need a better name. I don't even know what it stands for. What If it stands for anything. I just don't think it's a really good name. Well, Sarah, you know what? <sighs> Nancy's not a great name. Actually, I do like my name. It's a nice. What? Name. Nancy's not. Nancy's a great name. Nancy, it's a cute name. Nobody born after so the 1960s is named Nancy, but that's fine. Okay, let's get back to the Jesse Smollett hoax. All right, hoax. So what happens? And everybody, I'm 
gosh, I'm just I'm just going to go over this quickly because everyone listening knows the story. He is a, one of the actors on a show called Empire. He claims that he has been attacked by two guys wearing MAGA hats. He says one at least one of them is white. They attacked him. They beat him. He fought back. They put a noose around his neck and they they sprayed bleach on him. So there aren't really any, there's very few security cameras where this happened outside in this area, which is near where he lives. And it's in a nice part of Chicago, apparently called Streeterville. He lives in a very nice building. There is a picture of him uh, as he's walking back after the attack. He's got the noose around his neck. And I and I will say the, the rope, the noose rope is, it's, um, I, I don't think I've actually ever seen a noose in real life, but I always saw them like kind of fat rope. This is kind of more like a thin white rope, but it's around his neck and um, and he's holding his bag of sandwich. So, okay. So even during this attack, he held onto the sandwich. Hey, Sarah, you said it, right? Like it's- They're sandwich artists. They're sandwich artists, man. It's basically like the Mona Lisa, right? So he's, he's going to hold on to it. So he gets home and somebody- his like someone within his management team or part of the production. We don't know. I don't remember the guy's name. He calls the police. The police come 22 minutes later. They're in Jesse Smollett's apartment and they're, they've got on body cams. And I guess one of the, the guys says, do you want to maybe take the noose off now? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, I, I wanted you guys to see it. Okay. So the Chicago police basically are like, oh they, they, God. They know that this story is not true. They just, they know it because this is what they did. But in any case, it is reported and it is reported, you know, the next day, like, you know, uh, actor Jesse Smollett allegedly attacked, which is the right thing to say before you know what's happened. But no, of course, that's not what happens. What happens is that this is pre-George Floyd. This is a year and a half before George Floyd. But we were Oh, is it really? Yep. But we are living in a very racially divided country where everybody wants dirt on the other side, right? So MAGA cap, Trump is a racist, the, you know, the immigration policies, every, every Trump voter. I mean, I have to tell you, Sarah, I, one of my dearest friends who I absolutely love, who is such a smart, kind person said to me, well, you know, all Trump voters are racist. And I was like, dude, that is just not true. Like you don't, you don't know that first of all, but I do know that that's a false statement. In any case, the, the cognoscenti, they just run with it. I believe uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and lots of big news people. They're just like, Shonda this, Rhimes. It, this is evidence. Here we have it. You, you, you want to say we're not living in a racist country? Look at this black man who also happens to be gay. So it became this, um, this utter flashpoint, like gay black man attacked by people in MAGA caps. And, and he said at least one of them were white. Cops did not believe this story. It didn't add up, but they couldn't really come out and say it. But as we see in the documentary, they're like feeding information, like the public information officers are feeding information to the big journalists, the big names. And the guy's like, well, can I can I say your name? Like, no, 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 don't say my name, but just say like, you know, there's doubt here. Well, it it goes around and around and then they're going to maybe there maybe there's holes in maybe they're going to prosecute him and then he gets the uh the DA decides not to press 
and he charges on Smollett when his story looks to really be kind of falling apart. Now that becomes very weird. It's like, why did she do that? And it turns out this this whole backstory about, you know, serious uh, police racism in the history of Chicago and then something else that they didn't follow up on. It's, it's a longer story. However, the meat of what this documentary is about, the hoax, is how did this all happen? Oh, well, how did it happen? Jesse Smollett was friends with these two Nigerian brothers. The Asu- they're so hot. Yeah, they're they're great. The Asudario, no, O S U D A R O brothers. Two brothers. Yeah, I they're- think it's like the Asundaro brothers. I think it's, the last name is pretty easy. The first names are going to be like a real tongue twister. It's like yeah, A Bimbola and Ola Binho. Binjo. So these guys are first of all they're bodybuilders. But not bodybuilders like a Schwarzenegger kind of thing. But they're just like super in shape. They dress really sharp. They're kind of guys like on the scene. They kind of want to be celebrated a bit. And they are celebrated a bit. They 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 wind up in Jesse Smollett's orbit. And they wind up there because they buy him pot and maybe some other drugs. Because he obviously doesn't want the dealers knowing where he lives because he's a celebrity. So they do that for him. But they also hang out. They listen to music. They play music. They go to clubs. You know, they're just kind of like dudes. And um, at a certain point, uh, uh, he gets one of the brothers a um, a stand-in role on Empire. I think like oh, that's wow. when you... Yeah, you stand in for another actor like you're, you while while they're setting up the shot like you're the dude that stands there then they bring the other actor in and then also some background player stuff. And this was something that was that they wanted. They wanted to be part of this world. They dug it. And why wouldn't they, right? So Jesse Smollett goes up to them and says he says to this one guy that he's closer with, one of the brothers, who I, the one that wears the gold chain, uh, who's just adorable when mm-hmm. they're being interviewed afterwards and says um I have a job I'd like you to do. Um, I want you to beat me up. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah. I want you to beat me up. And maybe you can get your brother to come in and, and do it too, because two guys and one and this and that. And he, and he very, he orchestrates it. He's like, I want you to wear red MAGA caps. I want there to be a noose. I want you to put it around my neck. I want you to beat me up. Uh, and I don't remember whether uh, Smollett indicated he wanted the bleach or not, but he must have. In any case, one brother's like, okay. The other one, the one with the gold chain is kind of like, this is a little weird, but they actually don't think forward. They don't think, wow, this is going to be cause an entire, you know, cultural conflagration. So they do it. And then the next morning they fly out to Nigeria because they- This is one of my favorite details in the whole story is that they are flying to Nigeria the next day to, I think, audition for Nigerian Big Brother. Yes, exactly. So they're not around for the beginning of when all of this is like when everything, the, you know, the the big kerfluffle and, and the police and, and, and the national news and the tweeting, they're just not here. But it kind of comes out because they, you know, the police are like, how do we find out who these guys are? First of all, they look on the the there is one surveillance or two surveillance cameras and they realize it's two guys. They also realize that it's two black guys. It's it's not. And then they also have some like surveillance footage. They find out who they are because they took a cab away from the scene and they could the surveillance ca- cab camera I picked up the license or the whatever medallion or whatever yeah. it was of the cab. So they knew who was in the cab. And then they find surveillance videos of the brothers buying the bleach and buying the rope and buying a red cap. It wasn't a MAGA cap. They couldn't find one. So when when these guys land, they come back from it Nigeria. It wasn't a MAGA cap. It wasn't just a red hat. 
That's all. They couldn't find a mag. You know, if they went to Bucky's, because it's because it's Chicago. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. Okay, it's okay. It's minus twenty degrees. It's oh two twenty in the morning. It's a super nice, nice area. What the hell are two MAGA guys going to be roaming the streets looking for someone to beat up while wearing their MAGA caps? It's so. Well, also, who wears a baseball cap on the coldest night of the year? Yeah, it's just everything is wrong about this. So the brothers land and they are intercepted at the airport. I mean, they they don't even get to go home. And they are, they're basically, you know, they're arrested while they're trying to figure out what's going on. Now, here's this just incredible part. And, you know, guys, watch the show. We're just having fun talking about it. So they need a lawyer because something crazy is happening. And their mother, who is just this, they have pictures of the family in like the second episode. I mean, I don't know if it's just Nigerian fashion. And if it is, God love it. I mean, this is some beautiful stuff. And she's just very regal and great. And she's got five kids. And she was, well, she was, was it that she was driving? I guess she was a Lyft driver. That's right. And she had someone in her car one day. And the woman who was in her car just got to talking to her. And she was an attorney, the woman that was in the car. And she's a young, uh, Hispanic, kind of cute attorney. And she gave the woman her card. And the woman had been bragging about her kids and everything. She's like, well, listen, if your kids ever need a lawyer, oh, here's God. here's my card. That was a year before. At 220... Oh at two o'clock in the morning, after these guys are in jail, this lawyer's phone starts to blow up, and it's this woman saying, "Can you help my sons?" So wow. she she becomes their attorney, and um, it comes out pretty quickly that what happened here. They basically turn. Yeah. They they turn. I think the episode is actually called "Betrayal," episode two, and um, they say exactly what happened. Now. I'm unclear because I haven't finished. There's five episodes. I haven't finished it. I'm unclear about because the Chicago, Chicago dropped the charges against Smollett, but then he has been sentenced to, I think he's sentenced to more time and I don't remember why. That's fine because everybody can watch it themselves. Yeah, I watched but- the, the show, but a couple things that came, you know, I only watched the first episode, which was really great. But um, a couple of things that occurred to me as I was watching it was I just forgot what a deal this was. I mean, there was part of me like that's a, that's a little bit like just let Jesse smell it go. This is just embarrassing. It's it's humiliating. It's for so him. embarrassing. It's so you know it's shameful, and and he's been busted. You know, there's actually there's a great scene with one of the guys. That's watching Jesse after the event. After the incident, he goes and performs at the Troubadour in L.A. And it's a packed crowd. And while he's on stage, he says, he's telling the crowd about the incident. And then he says, I'm the gay Tupac. That's what Jesse Smollett says. And that is when, so let me, let me say something about this documentary. You know, we are, we are always, and I've been guilty of it too. When you're trying to talk about the tribalism in media, you say Fox is on one side, MSNBC is on the other. And, you know, to a certain extent, this is definitely true. This is produced by Fox. This is such an incredibly balanced report. Um, You have some people that are very, 
They are pro-Jesse Smollett, and they can tell you why. They can tell you why the history of the Chicago Police Department has been racist and the terrible mm-hmm. things they've done and why this story was completely believable. You have people on the other side, they're saying there was not one iota of, of this that was believable. You do not have hysterics. You do not have a lot of finger pointing. But what you do have, and I thought this was fascinating, there's someone, this black dude, who is in production, and his job is to television shows hire him, or maybe it's advertisers. I don't really know. I think his name was Benny Williams, um, to tell them what's going on with audiences. Like, what's being watched now? Why is it being watched? Why is this storyline appealing to people? Sure. And apparently, this is according to him. Um, so the Jesse Smollett character, who is a gay character on the show Empire, had not really a very big role to begin with. And we should also go back and say Jesse Smollett comes from an acting family. He had been, his family like had had like a whole TV show, sort of like the Osmonds or the Jackson Five for a while, brothers and sisters. His sister sister was on Lovecraft Country or whatever that was called. My brother loved that show. I I don't know it, but it makes sense because he had a whole bunch of siblings. So he kind of was raised in this world where you are going to be in front of the camera. So he's now got this, it's a hit show. Empire's a hit show. I never saw it, but I know it was a hit. And his character with audiences liked it. They really responded to him. So they started to up his, his, you know, the storylines would be more and more about him. And then uh, the, the readings were getting a little flat for Empire, maybe even going a little bit down. And as they were going a little bit down, Smollett's character, apparently, according to this guy, 40 to 50 percent of the show was now revolving around Smollett's character and Hmm. often his love affairs. So there was a lot of um, a lot of men kissing in the show. And Hmm. this was very, very popular and pushed uh, on the coasts, New York and the media people and, and L.A. This is what they Meanwhile, wanted. the ratings were plummeting. The, because apparently the people that were not, you know, the media heads are on the coast are like, we're just, we we don't want to keep seeing this. And, you know, first of all, I think it would get boring to watch any, if you've got one show and there's 15 characters to only see one character, I probably, unless it was yeah. like Kelly Garrett on Charlie's Angels. Um, so mm-hmm. they, it was just not popular. And the ratings were going down. Now, I don't know what happened internally at Empire. If we ever get to it in the show, it doesn't say. I don't know if he was told, you know, we're going to have to cut back on you. But it was, you know, it wasn't, he was not ascending and the show was descending. So there is some... This actually is the first time the thing has made sense to me. Right. There's some thought that to have a bid at relevancy. Also, also apparently before any of this happened, according to some people that they interview, Jesse Smollett very much wanted to be the voice of activism, the voice for, you know, I don't know Black Lives Matter specifically, but also for 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 uh, the gay community. He had a platform. He was a star on a successful TV show. He was a gay black actor whose story was now being represented, and he wanted this to be. He was he was going to be that voice. Now I don't. Well, that- he's also a you know he's he's a multi talented right. So he yes, the reason yes. he was at the Troubadour is because he's also a singer, and mm-hmm. so you know he's he's got that going on, and and it's clear that you know he branded himself. He's the gay Tupac. 
But here is why when we hear this one, I can't remember who it was. It wasn't the one I'm just talking about, another talking head who was really trying to be in the pro-Jesse Smollett camp even after he heard about the attack. He said when he heard him refer to himself as the gay Tupac, he knew that it was nonsense because he said people who have been actually beaten and traumatized, Mm -hmm. they are not, well, (laughs) this has changed, of course, but they they want to heal and they don't go out and beat their chests and self-valorize. And he just knew. He knew in his bones that mm-hmm. this wasn't true. In any case, the, the one of the sort of really super fun things about this show, and it's a fascinating story, and it's a fascinating story because I think another time we're going to really, really dig down into, you know, why people so quickly become tribal and and feel that they want to go on record as saying, you know, this and that, and then they never come back and say, I was wrong, okay, Um, is, um, I completely lost my, oh, is looking at these brothers, the Asudario brothers. The brothers, the brothers are the best. Oh my God, they're out there and they sit down and they, first of all, they tell the camera, they're just sitting in a dark studio and like director's chairs. They tell the entire story, including when they're like, and he's making us wait and he's late and it's cold as balls and it's because it is. And then they go into the street and they reenact it. And but the, the reenactment like, is the best. Oh, I mean, man. that went viral. That's how we found out about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, we will, I will get... I Hello, Smoker. We've got them, oh, listeners. If you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our, oh, I don't know, bi-weekly episodes with Sarah Heppler. Sarah Heppler, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little uh, interim moment for you. Um, we're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokeempodcast.substack.com. Thanks.